Hello and welcome to The Junction. I'm your host, Zach Campbell. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a good one for you. My good friend, Ken Noble, is on the show with us today. Ken is an executive director and certified coach, speaker, and trainer with the John Maxwell team. Ken owns his own business, Noble Leadership Solutions. They develop people, train leaders, and inspire the masses. You can find Ken on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at the Ken Noble. Welcome to the Junction. This is uh, this is my buddy Ken Noble, and uh, he's with me today. And you heard the intro, and uh, he's down in Waco. And I'm, I'm um, you know, we're gonna <laughs> complete transparency. Me and Ken and I spoke. A couple weeks ago, we did a recording, and I'm a rookie, and we just the recording came back, and it just wasn't going to work. We had a weird echo, and I couldn't figure it out. So we're going to try this again, and we're going to talk about a lot of the same stuff. I think we may um, go go maybe in some little different direction or a little more focused. I think I have a little better idea on how I want to direct this one and uh, or, or where we're going to go. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Ken, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well. Can you hear me okay? I can. You you look beautiful. We got Thank this you. new uh, this site I use to record now does video, and so I can see your your beautiful face and come on. You can see and my beautiful well. face. It's just absolutely so much beauty. Absolutely. So <laughs> it's great. Well, it's well great. Ken, um, what I'm going to do today, in, instead of me just trying to give it all out, I, tell me about yourself, kind of in a nutshell, what you're doing now, and then we can maybe dive into what got you to this place. And then I definitely, we, we met up, uh, you actually came into big spring where I live. You used to live many, many years ago, but grew up and, uh, we, we got together and just had a really, I, I thought it was a fantastic conversation with a friend of yours. Oh, yeah. Who's now a friend of mine and, um, Ricky Grim, Grimsley. Yeah. yeah. Ricky Grimsley. Yeah. We just had a great conversation and that's kind of where I want to go today. I just thought that was really, it was beneficial to me and I'd like to try to recreate some of that and just go down some of those same roads. And, but, but yeah. before that, I, I definitely want to talk about you and what you're doing and point people towards some of the really cool things that you've got going on right now in your life. Yeah. So currently I own my own business. I own Noble Leadership Solutions where I develop people, I train leaders, I inspire the masses. I'm an executive director with the John Maxwell team. Got certified as a a coach, speaker, and trainer through him in 2017. Um, Started my business in December of 2017, just kind of playing around with it, and went full-time with that business uh, in June of 2019 there in Midland, Texas, in the Permian Basin, right, trying to servicing all the people there. Um, We've found out um, that my father-in-law had a reoccurrence of cancer. So we decided that we were going to make the move down here closer to them. We're about an hour and a half away as opposed to six and a half hours away. And so now that's a big, that's a big difference there. That's a, that's a day trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. It's great. We've got to connect with them a lot more. They come over for dinner, uh, early dinner, and then they're home by dark. You know, Uh, we, we go to the farm for the weekends where they live. It's, it's been really, really great getting to be closer to them. Um, and so I'm relaunching my business here in the Waco area. I still have clients that I serve there in the Permian Basin. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what I do. So, you know, for people and, who don't know, it, it involves coaching, 
right? Uh, actually, the, the skill of coaching, not necessarily telling people what to do, but helping them to discover what it is they want to do and helping them to produce the results that they want. Um, I do. And I think that's such a cool, it's such a, it's a really cool thing to experience when you talk with somebody who kind of just has those tools, those keys to help people walk through decisions, walk through best business practices. It's, it's, um, it's not necessarily saying you should do this business plan or, or, or make these decisions, but you know your business. I don't know your business, but how can I help you walk through making that decision where that's where you come in and, and your your skill set is in thinking through? And I'll just say this. I say you you got that skill set uh, from, from your work as a pastor because as a pastor, you're kind of helping people in, in many different ways um, navigate life navigate all, all kinds of fun stuff. And so kind of talk about that, how that led you to John Maxwell, leadership, consulting, kind of stuff like that. So early on in ministry, I was the answer guy, right? I knew the Bible. I was there to, to you know, answer the questions for people and telling them I was, I was more of a mentor than a coach, right? People would come into my office and they're like, you know, we're struggling with our marriage, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, here's, here's the five steps that you need to do to improve your marriage. Well, then they yeah. come back the next week or two weeks later and they're like, well, it's, you know, we're still not successful. We're not seeing the results. Well, did you do the things that I told you to do? No, I just couldn't find the time. You know, no. just, I just struggled <laughs> with that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, when I, when I found out about coaching, understood the process of coaching is helping people to discover their own path to get the results that they wanted instead of me dictating and have this these steps will get you the results you want. It began to be about, well, okay, tell me what's struggling in your marriage. Well, we're not communicating well. Well, how can you improve that communication? And begin to ask those questions so that the light bulbs came on in their own head mm -hmm. and they had their own ideas that I could hold them accountable to. When they came back the next week and I would say things like, well, did you, did you do the things that you said you wanted to do to achieve the results you wanted? There would be, there would be a lot more of, well, yeah, I did the, I did this thing, which I said I wanted to do, but I didn't do, you know, I did X, but I didn't do Y. Well, how come you didn't do Y? Well, I just didn't really have the time. It made me uncomfortable. Okay. Well, why did it make you uncomfortable? Yeah. Why didn't you prioritize it? And it was all about asking the questions and I saw much more results. So when I went to the Maxwell certification, I wasn't going there to get certified as a coach. I went there to get the, the name recognition, right? Uh, I, I, read books for a long time. I consider myself a leadership expert. I was doing consulting in, in churches and ministries and those kind of things. And so when the, the coaching training part came on, the, the, uh, the, the presenter said, look, if you want to be a good leader, you've got to be a good coach. And he really opened my eyes. I was like, oh my gosh. So that's really the first training, the full-blown training that I went through is, you know, I went through all the coaching training to help me be a better leader of leaders. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I started doing that and played around with it. I was, there, there was a transition that happened in my life in the pastoral world and I didn't, wasn't feeling as fulfilled. So I found that fulfillment doing the business side, you know, that I wasn't planning on doing. And then yeah. after about a year, it was like, is this something that you really feel like you could be successful at? And I was like, actually, yeah, this feels a lot more in line with my purpose and calling than just being a pastor on staff in a mega church and being a cog in the wheel, I feel yeah. like I could be much more effective 
uh, in, to the world at large. And so that, that's kind of how I ended up in the, the place that I am. Well, it's, it's interesting to me as a, as a former on-staff pastor as well. And, and my, my duties were, I was a worship pastor, so it was more music stuff. But it was, it was leading a team. It was, you know, at times dealing with team members in certain ways that uh, as a 20-something-year-old, as a 20, 20 I sucked at. For the most, for the probably first two thirds of, of that experience, I felt like I was starting to kind of figure it out as you know that time was winding down. But um, you just find yourself in many ways uh, working with people in a way where you're you're really it, it's it's not a, a demand by any means, but you're put you're in a place within the within the church organization and. For anybody who doesn't, you know, go or attend church or is listening that maybe not fully involved with the church, you know, a lot of churches do have some form of a structure of, of these are the people that we all kind of have agreed to um, sit under. What's a way you would describe that? Uh, be led by, submit submit to. I hate that word. Yeah. I think that word kind of gets abused. But in, in a sense, you're saying, I trust you to, to kind of to take – to, to guide point me. me in directions to guide me and yeah. which is amazing yeah. i look back on i look back on some times where people were coming to me and wanting to get involved or this or that and i just was clueless and i looking back i'm like who who let me do that and it's just i think that's you know that's not unique to the church that's probably just growing up in in any profession you're going to have people that may be in yeah. spots where it's like they're they're underwater. Their nose is barely above the waterline, and they're just surviving. But yeah, being a pastor is is a very yeah. um, leadership driven position. Whether it, and that's something to debate about on 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 exactly what all should go there. I'm I'm babbling on, but I, I don't know if all that resounds with you very much. Yeah, I think you know I, I think though that that there has to be risks that you take as a leader when you're building an organization, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's my lane. I'm a leadership guy. And, and I think that you have to take risks and empower people to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But when they make the mistakes, don't, don't beat them up for the mistake, right? Don't hold it over their head. I remember early on in, in my ministry career that I had a mentor who said, okay, you're in charge of this thing. And I made a couple of financial errors and, you know, at the time it was a small church and I was like, well, crap, you know, I've made this, I've made this mistake. I feel like I have to pay, pay this money back. And even though I did, it was still one of these things of, oh, well, you know, you made that mistake. And I'm like, but I fixed it. Right. I, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it was just simple, simply an error in calculating money for an event. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, and so you, you have to, a good leader is willing to, to take the risks to empower people but then if people make a mistake, you use it as a, a learning opportunity, not a, not a, um, I don't know, not a heavy handed kind of yeah. degrading moment. Not a, ch- not a chance to like beat somebody down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of, and that was in a nutshell and I, and then towards the end of this thing, I'm going to, I'm going to let you kind of point people to where they can find you and connect with you if they're interested in, in some of the stuff that you're offering, which 
Uh, I've experienced it a, a little bit. I, I went through the uh, um, the John Maxwell uh, class. You're actually starting one on Monday. Um, yeah. Is it closed? Yeah. Is it open to people still? Um, it's it's still open. Um, my link that I had on Eventbrite is no longer there uh, okay. because I bumped it a week just with everything well, that happened with the ice storm and all that stuff. And honestly, this this will probably can reach out to me after personally. that starts. So. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, we'll we'll do that at the end, and don't let me. I won't forget, but don't let me forget because uh, yeah. anybody who's interested in doing this, uh, it's it's really interesting. It's it's uh, it's good stuff. It's just really good practical practices, practical practices to. Uh, to just implement in your life personally or business. And so we'll definitely point, point people to that. But along these lines of leadership um, in the church, this podcast initially had, wasn't one where I'm like, I want this to be a, a Christian podcast or spiritual necessarily. I wanted those aspects to come in where we talk about religion, and politics and different things. Uh, I'm finding myself so far in the discussions I've, I've had in the podcast we've done where we've talked a lot about the church. And I think that's because... I am a, a lifelong churcher. I'm a, I'm a church guy. I, I, I love the church. I, I've, I grew up in the church. Um, I've had an interesting, my 30s were a, a uh, evolution, um, which I guess they are with most people. I, I sometimes say things and I'm like, oh, I'm super unique in my 30s were really blah, 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 blah. But um, for me personally, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you're just like everybody else, like you idiot. Uh, so, but... Um, a, a discovery, a maybe a the veil was lifted in a lot of ways, and towards what the church is, what the church maybe should be, in my expert opinion, and where the church is just really like <laughs> crap in the bed. Okay, and um, I, I think as a former pastor yourself and and me included, we have a unique kind of lens into that world. And I would say for, for me, and, and I would think for you as well, we have friends that aren't a part of the church, that aren't believers, that are oh, yeah. that don't believe in anything supernatural, that don't believe in that there's anything other than humans and, and our universe, and um, have huge issues with how the church interacts in the world because they really really experience and or see the ugly parts of the church. And so I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit. Um, and the thing that pops in my head right off the bat is, and I don't know if this is unique to the church, uh, but I, I, it seems to be a lot of religious people are on this bandwagon. It's the whole Dr. Seuss thing. You, you posted something on your Facebook page that we kind of got going. And I don't know if this necessarily goes down that the road I'm thinking, but it, it's, it's what's in my head. Um, and why for, for clarity today's for clarity, today's date is March the 4th as yes. you and I are recording this. That's right. Today's date is March the 4th. Uh, this will probably be up a couple weeks from now. Maybe, maybe not quite that far, but I'm not sure yet. So, so this will probably and everybody will have forgotten. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what green eggs and ham? What do you have a problem with? Green? No. So Dr. No. Seuss is canceled, everyone, I guess. He's not. No, no, he's not. But So here, I guess it's not so much to debate the whole Dr. Seuss thing. It, the publishers made a choice that they can do with their books. They own the rights to the books. That's it. Yeah. Simple. But there is a, there is a, I don't know. There seems to be um, 
a, uh, and I'm trying to think of how to word this in a way that's not just completely offensive. There seems to be, a, I don't know if gullibility is the right word. That's not going to be the best word to choose, but of, of being this led down these culture war roads and the church seems to just be like, everybody's out to get us. We're under attack. Why? Dr. Seuss, you know, this, that. And, and, you know, if I think about it, I could probably name off five more things where the church is acting like it's it's under attack. And is the church under attack? Do you, does this question make sense? Does this give you something to kind of just jump in on? <laughs> yeah. So so let's talk about cancel culture. OK, let's just take that that terminology because the church has been involved in cancel culture for a very long time. I remember as a kid growing up in a very conservative, um, charismatic household, um, we didn't watch Masters of the Universe. We didn't watch, you know, Smurfs. We didn't do certain things. I mean, I remember, you know, the whole Procter and Gamble. They had stars and moons. They were, you know, funding the the satanic church, right? So the church has been on a cancel culture for a very long time, but we wouldn't call that cancel culture, right? We would say we're standing up for what we believe to be right. Right. So when we look at cancel culture as a whole, you know, there, there is definitely some things that certain groups get behind. You know, you look at the baker that Mm -hmm. due to personal beliefs decided that he didn't want to bake uh, a cake for a homosexual wedding. Right. Right. And so all of a sudden the entire LBQ, because it it didn't have as many alphabets back then. Yeah. Right. Um, So they rallied and tried to run this baker out of business. Right. Mm -hmm. So so what we have to understand is is in cancel culture, what you're doing is you're telling people what you're against instead of what you're for. Yeah. You know, and, and that never works because you're sending out negative energy into the universe. You're sending out negative vibrations. You're sending out negative thoughts. And so. Does that really service anyone? Like right. I've never, I've never jumped on a bandwagon of cancel culture. You know, I don't know anybody who has yeah. really like in the, in, you know, I'm and with so you. I, I kind of had a, an experience where it was when the Simpsons first started and I think oh, yeah. Burger King was doing like a Simpson happy meal and it was like, and I'm not, I love my mom and dad were amazing parents. They are absolutely. They, yeah. And, but, but it, it, the, the church we were at was kind of like, and I don't remember if it was the church or it was something that they had, they were watching, whatever it was, focus on the family, something that yeah. said, don't support Burger King. And I was like, I like yeah. Whoppers though. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so I definitely experienced that as well. And, uh, and you're right. The, the church has been a part of the cancel culture in many ways for a long time. Yeah. And so, so what we have to, what we have to do is we have to remove ourselves from a cancel culture world and begin to look at the world through a, an alignment lens, right? Do I align with this company or not? Yeah. Right. And so I align with burgers. (laughs) I, I like Whoppers. Yeah. So I'm going to buy Whoppers. Right. Now then people make mistakes all the time in choosing who they support. I mean, you look at Subway with Jared, right? Remember he was like uh-huh. the poster child. And then we found out all this negative stuff, yeah. right? He, that happened in the church world with Ted Haggard back in the early two thousands, right? He was the face of the evangelical Christian, whatever it was, he was the president. All this stuff came out with, about him. 
you know. So there's always people that aren't integritous in what they do, and it finds them out, right? I mean, that's just it, it is what it is, right? In the leadership world, we say that your your uh, talent will take you further than your character can keep you, mm-hmm. right? And, and and it's true for every one of us, right? So what we have to do is is we have to remove ourselves from what are we against, and we have to talk about what are we for. Like, let's take the the LB. I can't ever get all the acronyms. LGBTQ. Right. I think there's I'm more, but I don't down. know those. Yeah, yet. there's there's it's growing. LBGTQ. TQ. I'm writing that down. I think because that's it. I mean, I have I have friends that are homosexuals. I have friends that that are in that world. Right. right? I don't judge them. Right. What, what? And what are they for? They're for equal rights. Right. They they don't want to be beaten up on the street because they're they're non-binary right because mm-hmm. they they their sexual orientation is different that's all they're asking for they they want equal rights in marriage which marriage is something that we see biblically but unions are and marriage is involved in every culture yeah right and so they're just saying hey we want we want a seat at the table i'm a licensed diversity and inclusion coach right we all have these these biases so i because i've said this there may be some conservative christian people that listen to your podcast that want to cancel me right sure you know or me why yeah but but why why well i'm not saying that i approve of their lifestyle what i'm saying is is that biblically according to scripture someone who is not a christian i can't hold them to christian standards and rules so what am i for i'm for the love of christ Right. That's what I'm for. And I believe that my job and my duty as a Christian is to love everyone because that's mm-hmm. what Jesus did. Right. And you can't confront out of the context of relationships. So getting on Facebook and bashing someone because of a different lifestyle choice or whatever, and you don't even know them. Right. That's that's totally judgmental. And it's not what Jesus did. Right? Jesus entered into the pain of the people. Right. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I counseled with people that were struggling with same sex attraction that didn't want it. That, that you know, um, and, you know, the issue is, is there are people that struggle with it that, that don't want to struggle with it. Right. But there are people that that struggle with sex addiction that don't want to struggle with it. There are people that struggle with adultery that don't want to struggle with it. You know, so. so how, so how would. So I'm going to I'm going to. I love you. We've been friends a long time, so I know you you know that. But I want to yeah, I want to push back a little bit on just the terminology of the the idea of struggling with. And I know yeah. that from a Christian perspective, I kn- I know what you mean yeah. in that. But I know that there there could be people that will hear that and that might offend them or that yeah. might rub them in a way that's like, "What do you mean struggle? I don't struggle. Okay. It's not a struggle." So, so let me define that. There yeah. are people that struggle with it. That I that say I I recognize I have the same sex attraction, but I don't want that because mm-hmm. it it goes against what I believe to be true. That there are people that don't struggle with it, that they're very open about it, and you know it's who they are. Yeah, right. But the people that struggle with it, I mean, whether it's whether it's a alcohol addiction or whatever it is, there are people that have different vices that they know is for them internally it doesn't line up with their internal values, but yet they still struggle with it. The Apostle Paul. In, in Romans talks about that too. Yeah, and I guess this is one of the things where I've wrestled the most with 
my my the 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 moniker the like t-shirt that says i'm a christian where people know i'm a christian because yeah um i think and it's not right it's not okay a lot of people will lump christians all into the same group of yeah of bigoted hateful you know homophobic whatever and that's not true westboro baptist folk yeah 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 yeah. if you're a christian they're christian so y'all are the same and it's not that's not true that's not an accurate representation um, That's but like also, saying all white people are the same, all black people right. are the same. I mean, it's a stereotype. Sure, sure. Right? And and so this kind of, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get back to where my brain was going with, um, the 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 terminology, the way we communicate. And somebody may say, "Here's what it is." I just remembered it popped into my head. My goal and one thing that I'm passionate about. I, I don't. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a six, which is a loyalist, and one of the one of the parts of, of being a six is of, of many different things is is they the, is unity. They want people to they want people to be okay with each other, and and so yeah. I've always been that way, and that's one of the the big red flags for me when when I was like I'm a six, and that was one of them seeing that because it's always been something that I've I've whether however I'm trying to do it can be debated if that's the right or wrong way, but trying to like open people's eyes and say, we're more alike than we're different. But so my, my, my point in all that is to say for somebody who is a, a homosexual who is living that lifestyle, you know, this is what I've been confronted with the way I would communicate about them that would kind of segregate them into this different camp. Like they're living in this alternate life that's not normal right and so my point in that is how how can the church i think the church has struggled with the way even they communicate that that kind of puts barriers to where i know your heart in that they're going to hear struggles with homosexuality as you know it's so it's a bad it's a bad thing they're they're doing something wrong does that make sense and how, how do you think yeah yeah how do you think we, the church, the two camps, because there are, there's, there seems to be these two camps of people that are at odds. Um, how can they, how can we get through that and find that, that peace with one another um, where they know it's not hate and we know that they don't yeah. want to force us to marry gay people in the church. Like we have no choice. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Well, I think I think what it, what we have to do is we have to understand that everyone comes from a different background, a different way of life, a different um, viewpoint, right? A different worldview, and we have to be okay with that. And, and the way we become okay with that one is laying down our agendas and meeting people at the junction mm-hmm. of where they are and where we are. And having open, honest, civil conversations. Yeah. Right. And that's the whole point of this, this, this podcast that you have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who is an ordained minister um, who is, who's gay. And so I, I, you know, I was in his town a few years ago. I said, Hey, let's meet. I want to hear your story. Yeah. Right. And asking people, tell me your story. Right. I'm not there to bash you because, you know, from what I believe about the Bible, you're living in sin and you're wrong. I just want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. Help me to understand your perspective. Yeah. Right. I want to understand your perspective because that's, that's the compassion side 
of the love of Christ, right? You know, and so I don't want to, I don't really want this conversation to be built around Christianity and biblical. I mean, let's, let's take a bigger view. Yeah. Let's talk about our nation. Our nation is divided, right? Mm -hmm. Our nation and it doesn't matter what camp you're in, conservative or, or liberal or Christian or non-Christian or whatever, right? You know, the, the issue is, is we're divided. And if we want to be a community, we have to come to common ground and common unity and understand that we all want what's best for America or we all want what's best for Texas or for Howard County or McLennan County where I live, right? Mm -hmm. We all want what's best for people in, in our communities, right? So understanding, asking the questions and, and stepping in to listen, not to be heard, right? And, mm -hmm. and that's how you break down those walls is you have open civil discussion, not even discussion, discourse, yeah. right? Dialogue. You know, well, that's, it, that's it seems to me, it feels like, and I think one of the big reasons is I'm, I am going to bash social, social media. It's, it's just giving people an, an outlet to be kind of ugly in a way they wouldn't be even like what we're doing now where, yeah. you know, people are just going to hear our voices, but we're, this is a video where we can see each other's yeah. faces. And yeah. there's a huge difference in that, that I'm not going to say something that's going to be, you, you won't, it'll be easier for you to understand what I mean, even if it may be like pointed or, or, yeah. or kind of, a, 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 a rebuttal you'll you'll see my face you'll hear the tone of my voice and be able to put it together yes. social media has just broke it down to like words and yes. you know most of us aren't incredibly good at punctuation enough to really be able to color our words the way we mean them i i hate social media discourse one of my mentors years ago he said this he said displays are for information not emotion yeah, we've tried to soften that by adding emojis and all of that kind of stuff. But reality, face to face communication is where you have to be, you know, and if you can't do face to face, which now through technology, I mean, how many platforms can we get on? Right. Thanks yeah. to the pandemic. I mean, it's exploded. Mm -hmm. Right. It's so easy for me to, to to reach out to somebody from a different a different sect, a different denomination, a different state, a different community and have a face-to-face -face conversation than it ever has been before. You can pick up the phone. I know it's crazy, but the, the iPhone feature actually has this thing called the telephone feature where you can utilize your voice and talk with people, right? But we're so quick to By text. the way, that's like a pet peeve of mine that nobody calls anymore. Like you're trying to like tell somebody how to do something and it's all these texts. And I'm like, can you call me and like walk me through this, please? I would read that will take five minutes yeah. as opposed to 30 minutes of texting. Oh, all right. Exactly. That was a rant. Exactly. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, so, you know, kind of talking about the big picture in, in our country and, and, and wanting this to see this open discourse. And I mean, is it even possible, honestly, from your perspective, from what you you're working in and with the church? Um, is it is it even possible right now? So here's the thing. I don't work in and with the church anymore. I mean, well, I, you're not far, far removed. I'm not far, far removed, but I've been off staff for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, but people still look to me as being a voice in the church, a voice of, you know, Christianity to some degree. Yeah. Um, not that I'm uncomfortable with that brand. Yeah. Um, but I believe that my purpose is to serve the world, not yeah. just, you know, the church. Sure. Um, 
and yes, I come at it from a biblical worldview. So when, when we talk about, you know, the church being divided and in, in, in those kind of things, and we talk about church people and social media and all of that, I think it boils down to ignorance, right? And, and I mean yeah. that in the literal term. Just right? not we knowing. Up, yeah, we pick up something on social media and, you know, Dr. Seuss is canceled. What? Okay, right. so I read a few articles, and one article I read was very much, you know, the cat in the hat represents a black man, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, that's just weird. Where, where did that come from? Right? You, and so it, You have to spend weeks studying to get to that point, but it can be gotten. No, that was the first article that I pulled up. Well, well, I guess what I mean is to make that the thing, like that it's a it's representing a, the cat in the yeah. hat, is that it, it's, it's well, ridiculous. It, and what it is, is someone who was a, a deep scholar in critical race theory, which I'm not even really sure what that is, right? <laughs> right? You know, they wrote this article and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Is this true? So I know that I have a diverse population on my Facebook. Yeah. So I, I asked the question last night. Um, so you can, you know, get on my Facebook. It's it's uh, at Ken Noble, I think. Uh, my business page is at the Ken Noble. But I just got on my personal Facebook profile and said, hey, can anybody fill me in on this? And I got a lot of responses, but everyone who was anti cancel culture was up in arms about it. Right. And you even got into a dialogue with some of those people. And I was like, look, yeah. you know, um, and so, you know, I had one, one gentleman, a uh, great guy um, that I assumed would chime in on it because he's very well versed in this basically said, I haven't read them. I don't know. I'm not going to, I don't, I don't have anything to add. And then there were people who were like, Oh my gosh, blah, blah, green eggs and ham, all this. And I was like, whoa, they're not canceling that, right? And then somebody was like, they're only doing six books and here's what. And all of a sudden I got all of this knowledge. So I got to come back and say, okay, so here's what I know. Here's the truth. And here's who it's really affecting. And that was the end of it for me, right? Because sure. I was, I took the opportunity to put myself out there and say, inform me, educate me. I don't want to be ignorant. Right. And I think that if, if church Christians conservative Christians say, educate me. Let me, let me hear how you feel. Let me help me to understand, right? Seek first to understand, then be understood. So now I'm at this point where, Hey, it was the publisher in the family of Dr. Seuss. And it was Dr. Seuss's early works that had this, had these issues in it. And he evolved as an author. He evolved as a children's book author. Um, he evolved in his awareness and he became a lot more inclusive. He's got some great books on that kind of stuff. And so the family said, look, this, his earlier works had some things in them that we're not proud of, just like we edit our own stories. Right. right. I mean, I don't, I don't tell everybody about the things that I did. If somebody asked me, I'll tell them, but I don't yeah. tell everybody the things I did before I came to Christ. They would say, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't want you speaking into my life. Right. And so they made a choice to remove some things that they deemed weren't beneficial to all of mankind. Mm -hmm. And and so I, th I think they made a wise decision. I don't think it's canceled culture. Um, I think, you know, people who say ban all of Dr. Seuss, that's wrong. Yeah. They're nuts. Why do you think people and and I'm, I'm again, I, I feel like this is going to be the direction of the podcast potentially, at least for a little while, because it's something I care deeply about, but why do you think the church seems to be so defensive or, or even people that have a, a conservative viewpoint because in that, that would be the majority of the church I would argue is, is probably leans conservative. I, I think it's less in 
listen, there's some far left people who are in the church. I'm doing air quotes that are off yeah. their, that lose their mind too. That are like triggered about stupid stuff. Okay. Yeah. That, that will probably, I will definitely address those things at some point. Um, but, but right now what we're talking about, why do you think there seems to be a defensiveness with, within the church about any kind of correction, any kind of like, Hey, have y'all thought about this? Any kind of progress forward? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Or do you think so, there is that, that do you think they are defensive? There's so many things I want to unpack with that. <laughs> um, there's so many things I want to unpack. Um, I think that for me, I think I want to talk about just our culture in general. We're a soundbite culture, mm-hmm. right? We want the highlights and we don't take the time to gain personal knowledge. So when we get those sound bites, we knee jerk react, right? It's not just the church. It's people in general, mm-hmm. right? We live in a microwave society. You know, I've got the power of God in my hand. I can look up any information instantaneously with my phone, can order something like we want right now. We want it right now. And so people in general aren't doing the work of digging deep to get the information to be fully enlightened. Yeah. We just knee jerk, right? And so what happens is when we knee jerk, we rely on on the wiring and the training that we've always held to be true, right? The standards and the facts that we were raised with. And so I think that for conservative Christians, you know, um, the church is always taught, and even Jesus talked about this, that we were going to be persecuted. Don't be surprised if you're persecuted. Um, you know, but I think that for the church, the persecution, especially here in the West, right? The church's persecution really isn't that bad. What, I mean, what do you be- think when when Jesus was saying you're gonna what persecuted for what? What is that? Why why was Jesus saying that? What what did that I mean, is specifically is it just for belief in in Jesus or following Christ or what, what is that persecution about? So when we look at what Jesus was persecuted for, right? Because Jesus is our model. He was persecuted for siding with the outsider. He was persecuted for not living up to religious standards He was persecuted for loving his enemies, hanging out with sinners, those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. We look at celebrity Christian culture who does that, right? They get persecuted. And then later on, we find out that they had moral failings because of the things that they were involved in. There's a balance that has to take. So then all of a sudden we have cancel culture for celebrity Christians, right? So there's all of these things that play into it. And so... That's such a difficult question. Like that one question could just be a full podcast. You know what I'm saying? So I guess the thing that, and you kind of said, I I wasn't trying to to get us to this, but I I, I knew, I knew what you were going to say, at least some of it, but it's Jesus was not religious and Jesus didn't, didn't do the whole church thing. You know what, the way we would describe it now. Yeah. You know, Jesus, but Jesus was. Like when you look at Jesus, he was religious, just not in the world's view of religious standards. Right. He he was. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a word that's that kind of describe. He 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 lived out. He 
he followed the religious practices, like um, the traditions. He, you know, yeah. of of how things worked in in the Jewish Jewish culture. He practiced those things religiously, but he also didn't practice the man made standards. Right. That's where he caught a lot of the flack. Right. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, what what does it mean to love my neighbor? Well, let me tell you a story about the Good Samaritan. And yeah, the, the exactly. Samaritans were the the lowest of the low, the outcasts of in the in yeah. Jewish culture. They were the worst people. Um and I'm not going to try to like put that Samaritan on to some somebody in our culture now, but you you probably yeah. we probably could. And, and especially in the way the church may view these people, uh, yeah. liberals, maybe, maybe yeah. liberals, maybe Jesus yeah. would say the good liberal, honestly, yeah. in, in, in talking about that's what a good, that's what a good neighbor is, is, yeah. um, you know, and for those that may not know the story of the good Samaritan, there was a man that was robbed and beaten on this road and, uh, a fair, uh, um, was it a rabbi comes by a Pharisee, uh, several people who are among the religious come by and just kind of walk by, go across the street and walk around and don't help him. But then a Samaritan comes along and the Samaritans were the worst of the worst. They were the outcast. They were the enemy of the Jews, helped him, helped cleaned his wounds, took him to a place of shelter, paid for his shelter, said, I'll come back and pay you back for helping take care of this person. Anyway, and Jesus used that example to kind of go that that guy. It's it's counterculture. It's counter. Um, yeah. it, it's 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 a different way of viewing the world. You know. Um, yeah. And that story, by the way, if anybody wants to look that up, is in the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. In the Bible, uh, in Luke ten verses twenty five through thirty seven. Check it out. So yeah, check it out. Um, but Jesus tells that story, right? And, and, and so the church, we love to talk about that, right? How we want to be the good Samaritan, but how many of us have actually ministered to and, you know, reached out to someone who was hurting, you know, that's different than us. Right. Yeah. But the same can be said for Democrats, Democrats and Republicans, Mm -hmm. you know, how many many people are crossing that aisle? This is something I feel like the, Again, and this is all just my opinion. And when I say the church, I'm being general, and I know mm-hmm. that this isn't everybody who attends church is a is a turdhead. No, that's no, not no. what I'm, most, I'm not saying. I want to make sure people, people understand that. Yeah, there's so many beautiful, wonderful people that are a part of my life, have been a part of my life, and they're all like deeply rooted within the church. And it's I love the church. I do. I have a heart for it. But um, it's interesting to me that Jesus says the Samaritan to point out that this is the guy who did the good stuff. That crappy dude that we yeah. all kind of hate, essentially. We hate the Samaritans. They're the they're the worst of the worst. He's the one that did the good thing. And so I, I try, you know, to, to bring that into our our current system and our current culture here in America, within the church, outside of the church, and that that's the one that Jesus uses is, is the example I think is interesting. And, you know, kind of along the lines of, you know, you, you said a minute ago, educate, we need to be educated. It seems like the church is struggling with stepping outside of the box, um, stepping outside of the, 
traditions, stepping outside of the this is the way we've always done it, and even listening to people who have a different um, view or just a little different, that path is just a little off of the way we've always been going. And so it's like, no, we can't, we can't even entertain that thought process. We can't even entertain that interpretation of scripture. Um, why do you think, why do you think that is? Conditioning, right? You know, some, some people would call it brainwashing, but it's, it's conditioning, right? It's like, so scripturally, you know, we're, we're to be in the world and not of it. We're to be, uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Elevating ourselves to a higher plane of consciousness where we're become a little bit more one with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I, I remember distinctly, my grandmother told me, and I think I shared with you the other night, my grandmother told me, uh, in, uh, when I was young, she pointed out the story of Noah and his three sons. And one of the sons was, um, he'd done something wrong and, um, he was cursed to be a servant to his brothers and generations after that. Mm -hmm. And so she told me, she taught me this, that that was where black people came from, you know? And it's just like, that's why, that's why, you know, and so she, you know, she passed away in, late nineties, mm-hmm. I think 90, 99, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but she, you know, she'd grown up with that mentality. That's what she was taught. Yeah. And I think what happens is, is that there are people who interpret scripture in a way that it was never meant to be. They, they kind of add to. And so it, it creates this conditioning. Now then I never bought into that belief system. Right. Um, I was, I would say that I was raised in a non-racial home, even though my, my parents would use racial language. Uh-huh. But they were like, oh, don't judge people, blah, blah, blah. But they would use racial language. And it's, you know, it's just those generational things. And yeah. so I, I think that what happens is, is there's conditioning that we're taught things by unreliable sources, you know, that, that causes us to think a way that ultimately springs those reactions up, right? Um, you know, and, and it's, it's just that it's those subconscious biases that we carry because of the things that we've been taught, and so, you know, when, when you, as a Christian, as you read your Bible, the majority of Christians, like literally less than 4%, actually read their Bible. Mm-hmm. So they're no worse than, than the religious people of, of Jesus' age who listened to the Pharisees teach, right? They were teaching on, on traditions that weren't biblical, right? But people believed that they were. And so when, when you're not reading the Bible for yourself, you're not viewing Jesus from the lens of he is the son of God and he's here to save the world, not to condemn the world. Right. As you begin to read that and understand and say, Jesus increase me in the way that I want to be it so that I can be more like you. All of a sudden you, you take a step back and you go, I don't really need to judge these people. I don't need to do these kind of things. If that makes sense at all. Did it I does. really answer your question? It does. Yeah, I think so. And I think the, the way I'm, I'm trying to get at a, a, what it feels like right now, and especially I think politics, unfortunately, I think the church has like completely inserted itself into our politics in a way yeah. that's not okay, because obviously there's going to be people who run for office that hold a, a faith of some sort. We have Muslims in office. We have uh, 
Jews uh, practicing um, uh, the people practicing the Hebrew religion in, in office, you know, all kinds of they're Catholics, Christian, Protestants, whatever. There's a whole wide gambit. That's that, and so there should be because yes. this is America. Well, that's it's people. People yeah. represent us, so it's not wrong to be a Christian and 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 run for politics. If you're a Christian, I would say run, please run, but be, be a Christian, okay? Yeah, uh, be a so, Christian in name only. But what's happened is um, it's become where politics are what are going to save our Christianity, or or what is going to protect the church from the onslaught of the heathen, you know, and. Uh, Brian Zond, I don't know if you've read him much or have heard of him. He's awesome. But he he kind of has got on this whole um, – it's been for a while now, especially during the last four years where it's the church and empire. And, and you know, you can go back and look at uh, ancient Rome and the early, early church and Rome deciding we're going to be Christians here. And then basically it just destroys Rome, destroys the church, everything just kind of crumbles because they endorsed the nation as a Christian nation. Um, And that feels familiar in a lot of ways. Um, So all that to say, the church has just hopped in in the sack. Uh, Franklin Graham, man, Billy Graham's son. Billy Graham is, is a is a is a cornerstone of the of the american church in a lot of ways is the modern church the evangelicalism um not a perfect man but but was invited and and put in in the in the room with presidents but he always seemed to this is just my my understanding of of his story he would pray for them but it wasn't like this is the guy it was republicans democrats it was all all of them Franklin Graham yeah. has come along, and I'm not trying to kill the guy, but it's just like it's like the only hope for the church in his mind is Donald Trump. Just going like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so th- that's just yeah. the example I have of, of the church in the last four years has has seemingly just like, man, we're we're like like on a wedding night, we're sewing the sheets, man, in with the Republican Party. Yeah. We're in the sack with them. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of forgot where I was going with all this, but but in light of, of this, what's going on in the church, that's just crazy to me. Go ahead. Your hand is raised. So so here's what I want to do. I want to, let's backtrack right to the founding of America. The reason America was founded was because there were people that were fleeing the state and church association, right? And so that's why how they founded America, right? There is no... It's about the freedom of religion and the freedom from religion, mm-hmm. right? Because they wanted to create this place where people could be themselves. Now then, did it always play out that way? No. Look at the Salem witch trials. Look at all those kind of things, right? Yeah. But as America becomes more diverse, we have to allow people of different faiths at the table because they are representing people that live in America, you know? And so we have to ask ourselves based on, based on what is best for America. Right. And, you know, and, and I think Donald Trump really pivoted himself into the position of power because he said, let's make America great again. And getting back to let's stop sending so much money overseas to help everyone else when we have people here that are hurting. Right. His platform ideas were good as a person. 
his emotional intelligence, his leadership abilities, they, they weren't, they weren't very successful and he turned more people off. Right. And so I, I think what we have to do is we have to separate religion and state, right. And give everyone an equal place at the table, you know, and, and I, I think because when we do that, we get to hear different perspectives and it goes back to having those, uh, those conversations that those, those dialogues, Right. And people just refuse to have that. I'm here to represent my agenda, my purpose, my goals and my people. But honestly, if we look at the people that we've elected to represent us, they're not like us. The average median household income in America is less than one hundred thousand dollars, I think. Right. Everybody who's in a government positions starts off with like one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year and they retire with that same amount of money. Right. Those aren't. Those, those people don't represent me. They don't represent you. They don't represent the majority of Americans, right? They're, they're politicians that have built this wealth and this fame and this celebrity status off of being politicians. They don't know what it's like to struggle to pay rent. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you, even, think, even, we, how do you think we fix that? Because, you know, we're kind of going in a different direction. We're not going to debate <laughs> Donald Trump. Oh man, I guess. No, no, no. But um, how, how do we how do we get past that? I mean, I feel like it, in a sense, it's going to have to start with us. You know, that's probably the easy answer. But how do we get past? You know, I have to defend my guy no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely center left right now as a person i think the last four years have kind of pulled me that way a little bit but overall i'm kind of an independent i tried i want to be an independent thinker right if a good idea is on the right i'm in if a good idea is on the left fine i don't care but i found myself being a little little probably biased honestly how do we how do we get through that how do we stop defending um the ted cruz because he also says a bunch of christianese stuff and so we yeah. got to defend the guy no matter what, even though it seems like what you said, he is not one of us, right? Yeah. How does that in, in your mind, how do we, how do we fix that? What we have to do is we have to understand what are our own personal values and defend our beliefs, not some regurgitated belief by some man in a power suit with a power tie, right? What do you believe? You know, so I would probably say that I'm a little bit more center right, mm-hmm. but probably more center. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that, you know, capitalism is the way to go. But at the same time, I believe that capitalism has a purpose to help others, you know, like amassing this. Well, you know, so. Well, there's a point with capitalism where it becomes kind of cutthroat capitalism. And I don't know any time the word cutthroat is in there. It doesn't seem like a good yeah. thing to me. Absolutely. No, no, no. So, so for me, I I think it starts, there's an old Jewish um, tale or proverb or something that basically says, you know, I want to change the world, but before I can change the world, I have to change my continent. And before I change my continent, I have to change my nation. And before I change my nation, I have to change my state. Before I change my state, I have to change my county. Before I change my county, I have to change my neighborhood. Before I change my neighborhood, I have to change my house before I change my house. I have to change myself. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's what we have to do. We have to start with ourselves. We have to be willing to have those difficult dialogues, right? We have to ask people, explain this to me, help me to understand, 
And then from there going, is what they're saying, does that hold true to my values, right? So what, what's my own personal values, right? So I value loving people, right? I, I, that's my, probably my top, most, my, my top most value. The second thing that I, that I value is serving others, right? Giving value to other people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, so when there's a topic or a heated debate that happens, I step back, I look, I do my research, and I go, how do I line up with this? Right. And then I share my viewpoint with those that'll listen, that want to hear my viewpoint. Right. And I don't try to force the issue and try to persuade people. I just try to to share what I know and then be willing to receive correction or maybe not even correction, maybe just a different perspective. Yeah. A different way. Yeah. And I think. You know, to kind of, we're almost on the hour hour mark, and and I've loved it. It's been wonderful. But to kind of, I guess, come full circle, you know, for me, the thing that I think we're really just struggling with among many, many things in our country and our churches and everything is the willingness to, number one, just listen at all. Just listen to the different perspective. Yeah. And then number two to try to listen for the heart behind the words. Cause sometimes people communicate in ways where the, 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 the language they use, Dr. Seuss is yeah. kind of an old school way of saying things that have a negative connotation. That's more like current that the way yeah. they grew up with it wasn't necessarily that way, whether it was or wasn't, isn't even the point, but they're, they're, they're trying to communicate a thing. And, and we like to put today's standards on that thing as opposed to like where it became ingrained in them, if that makes sense. And yeah, for the, the, the best example I can think of, and the poor homosexuals in, in our country, they're like always the example. They're like, can we just have equality and y'all leave us alone? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but that's the great yeah. example is the, the church – and it's becoming less and less and less. And I mean, I think you and I are good examples of that. I, I would imagine 20 years ago, we would not be communicating this way about our experiences with the gay community. It would be, you know, yeah. love the sin, hate the sinner kind of stuff. And, and, you know, definitely putting them off in this category of we've got to save them. Right. I, I think we've, become different people in that. And that's a good thing, but they're always the example. And and the way even the church communicates how they're trying to love that community sometimes can be offensive to that community. You know what I mean? And they don't even fully understand. And so that involves two things. I'm going to shut up and let you come, come in on it. Is the church saying, I'm willing to listen to being corrected, being, having some guidance in, you know, it, it hurts our feelings when you say this, this, or this. And then the flip side of that is for the, the, the gay community. And this goes for any kind of situation, not just the Christians and gay people. To be, to try to hear the heart behind people and not necessarily be the, you know, the uh, PC police, which is something, the whole cancel culture, the whole politically correct yeah. stuff has a purpose and a place in certain situations in certain situations, it's like, suck it up, quit being a baby, and try to hear what they're saying. Quit being, you know what I mean? Like, calm down. They're not saying this yeah. horrible thing because they use a phrase that's kind of old school or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to to the facet of 
love the sinner, hate the sin. You know, I think it's love the person and having compassion that some of their choices, not, and I'm not saying this about homosexual, I'm saying that's Anything. about sin in general, right? Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's addiction, whether it's an alternative, non-systemic, gendered lifestyle, you know, whether it's capitalism or socialism or whatever, right? It's, all right, I love you because you're, you're human, you're created in God's image. Help me to understand your perspective. I want to share with you what I believe, but first I want to know what you believe. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and come at it in a calm, non-confrontational way because most people are ready with their fists up to defend their position. Yeah. And if you come with your hands up and you're saying, look, I, I, I come in peace. I come in peace. I want to understand. Yeah. Right. And it's about educating yourself. Um, now then, do I agree with with certain lifestyles? Do I agree with uh, certain, uh, you know, addictions or you know, whatever. No, of course not. I mean, I think that those, those things are not the way we were designed to live our lives to be the best that we can be. But that's my personal belief. Yeah. You know, and, and so, well, I think in my view, in my, and I, the way I know you is that you don't let that affect how you treat people or where, what they're able and, and allowed to do in this world. Yeah. And that's no. where I think the line is definitely being slowly and too slowly erased in my view yeah. It with the church is the church has really has been and is coming out of being this kind of like the moral compass in, in our country, in the world. And in some ways I'm, I'm all in like, cool. That's what a great moral compass. In some ways they just need to like go, we just, at the end of the day, we're called to love people. So we're going to love people. And yeah. if, if, if something needs to be changed, quote unquote, if God wants to do that, if you believe in God, then guess what? Maybe that'll happen. Otherwise it doesn't matter. We're still going to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. That's the yeah. greatest command. I'm going to love God and likewise love my neighbor as myself and yeah. leave it at that and, and, and let this world kind of keep going. So, so here, here's the, here's the opposite side of that coin is if I truly love someone and I see that they're hurting and I have an answer or a possibility that can help them in their pain, I want to provide that. I want to say, Hey, this is, this is how I live my life. And it's helped me to overcome those things. And I want to share it with you, mm-hmm. but you don't cut the relationship off if they say no. Sure. Right. Too sure. many times ev- evangelicals, will go into a relationship to change a person and not just love the person. And well, so we and have I think to avoid that kind of stuff. Within the church, especially in any kind of leadership or people volunteering, there's, there's, I will, I, we made people kind of go through this. You got to be this, this, and this, if you want to serve here. And I understand the point behind it, but I also go, where does that stop? You know, where does that, where does that just push people away who may never be exactly what we think they should be, but have a heart for God, a heart for people want to serve and do this or that. That's kind of a different, like not really trying to dive into like, should that or should that not happen? Yeah. But it's just the whole kind of idea of, you know, 
I'm in with you, with loving you, as long as I see you becoming more like me. And I think yeah. that's where it falls apart, where the whole love your neighbor as yourself thing just kind of loses its power. Yeah. When you expect them to become more like you, and if they don't, then that they've they're they're wrong. They chose a different path. We we can't be friends. Yeah. Well, I I think I think that everything that we do has terms and conditions, right? You have an Apple phone, you have an Android phone, you have iTunes, whatever. You, you're always saying yes to terms and conditions, right? Right. And so being a leader within the church, there are certain terms and conditions, certain standards that have to be maintained. Absolutely. You know, especially if you want to step into a leadership role where you're influencing others, like you have to maintain those standards. Every culture has them, right? There are certain terms and conditions to be, to be a a politician. There are certain terms and conditions whenever you sign up for a gym, right? Or, Or Facebook or whatever, right? There's always terms and conditions. And we don't think about that when we go to join an organization or a religion. We just want to do our own thing and make them accept me. Yeah. So, so you know, I because I, I love the church. One day I hope to plant a church. I, you know, I believe that the church. Sorry, my dog's barking. Sorry. Right. I believe that the church is the hope of the world, right? Because I believe that Jesus Christ came to save all of mankind. But you know, there's some certain things that Jesus said. So sorry. It's okay. Can you hear that? Yeah, it's fine. No big deal, man. We all have um, lives and animals yeah. and air conditioners. Yeah. And so, it's no big deal. Yeah. And so so it's it's one of those things where I think for us to walk into a community and say, you have to accept me just the way I am, but I'm not going to accept your community standards. But sure. I have to sign an HOA yeah. to move into this rent house that I'm sitting right. at right now. Right. right? And I, I think that's one thing. They're, they're, they're in this shifting that's been happening culturally within the church. And, um, again, we, it's always about usually a specific issue there. There's the flip side is like, you have to accept me the way I am. And if you don't, then you're a, you're a bigot and a homophobe, homophobe. And that's just simply it. And I don't think that's fair because, you know, the church uh, the church is definitely a place that has some, and, and some more than others, some really hold these things like there is no gray area, and that's okay, okay. But you still need to love people. You still need to love people. Um, and if you're not loving people, if they don't feel love from you, then you, you should just kind of like turn it inwardly and think about what you're doing. But then there's places that are, have a little more gray area within that. And so, but to demand like, you need to change your whole institution to be more um, accepting of me in that institution. I know there's places for, for, for the gay community to find uh, that they can go and you're, you're cracking me up with your dog, man. He got, just so everybody knows he has his mic muted and he's like trying to get the dog to be quiet. It's wonderful. <laughs> but my point is, is is there's a place for you if you're out there and you're seeking um, real community within the church, and it's okay that there's some places that may say this is what we we these are the, the these are the values that we have and these are the expectations we have, and you don't have to go there. I won't go there. Exactly. Does that make sense? I will not attend that place. And yeah. and 
it doesn't mean everybody there's bad or wrong or, or whatever. I, I would hope for growth maybe and some, some, some softening, but that's a whole different kind of, that's the next time we talk, we'll really dive in. But <laughs> your dog is like, got issues with you right now. He's like, I got something to say about this. <laughs> I know. Right. No, we, we've got a neighbor that must've come outside in the backyard and he's going crazy. So I apologize. It's all good, man. Um, I've kind of made it a, sometimes I'll talk with people that have kids that are young and aren't are like, what do you mean? Be quiet. It's my house, <laughs> you know? So it's all good. Um, man, this has been a great discussion. Uh, yeah, always, I always. Think, a great Josh, discussion. Again, we hardly talked about your family. I want to do that again next time. We're <laughs> going to do this again. And, um, I've really enjoyed this discussion and, um, tell us where people can really kind of, learn about what you're doing if they're interested in, in getting involved or, or yeah. you know, yeah, getting you to absolutely. be come to an event or something like that, where can yeah. they find you? Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, um, you know, I've got my website, noble leadership solutions.com, right. You look it up. Um, if you, you want to connect with me on Facebook, uh, you know, I've got my business page at the Ken noble. If you want to kind of look behind the scenes at my, my personal life, I do have Facebook uh, personal page. It's Ken Noble. Um, so uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I just actually tweeted my first tweet today. and It's been months since I tweeted. You can find hey. me at, at the Ken Noble on Twitter, at the Ken Noble on Instagram. Um, so, you know, I've had those for a long time and I just don't utilize them as much as I should. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, I'm a, a coach, a speaker, a trainer. I love speaking at events. I love doing fundraisers for people, emceeing events, that kind of thing. Um, and I really just love to, to develop people and help them uh, gain greater awareness as to what they can become. Uh, because I believe that everyone has a leader locked on the inside of them that's waiting to come out. Everyone has a voice um, and just learning how to communicate it in a way that's that can be heard. You know, that's, that's really what I want to do. Well, leadership is such a, you know, everybody hears leaders. And so they think of the guy in the front of the room, talk to the, the room full of people. And it's not, yeah. it, it's not always like that. That's some people, yeah. but it's just living within that, that who you are and being bo not bold, but confident in those gifts that you have and, and leading in that. And I, and here, here's what I want to say to you and about you is I've known you a long time and you, you have some deeply held values, beliefs in your faith, and you've never wavered from those things, but I've never doubted how much you love people. And that's what's, I think, the biggest thing. Even in kind of this discussion we had, we didn't really like go hard into it, and I think we could someday, and you're the kind of guy that we could do that and at the end of it, love each other, and be, you know what I mean? And oh, yeah, absolutely. That that's the thing I think that is hard to recognize in our world right now is that mutual yeah. love for one another to say, we don't agree. I don't hate you. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the world needs more of, yeah. you know, is we can, we can agree to disagree and still remain friends. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I have friends of all walks of life. They know where I stand biblically. They understand my faith, but they don't feel judged or at least I hope they don't. And yeah. if they do, they reach out to me and say, Hey, you've offended me. And I'll say, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, let me explain better. Let's get on the call. Let's have a zoom meeting, yeah. you know, because I think, you know, I believe that's the answer 
to the world's problems is a, a, a dialogue with no no agendas. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I appreciate you coming on, and and we did that a little bit and kind of scratched the surface. And again, like I mean it, you're you're a good hang, you're a good you're a good chat, and so uh, I know that we'll do this again. And I'm, I keep trying to hint at you. You need to start a podcast, and I'll be a guest on that podcast. Absolutely, uh, and, absolutely. And you can you can, you can mentor me in that. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I'll just help you set it up. You you got it, man. You got the gift yeah. of gab. <laughs> hey, Ken, I love so, you, man. Tell your family I said hello. Thank you so you much too. for being on with me uh, on the yeah. junction. And I guess that's it, folks. Ken, thank you. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, uh, I'm excited to see it grow and flourish as you get your message out to the world that the junction is a place where people can meet and have open, honest discussion and still leave as friends. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I look forward to watching things happen for you and having you on again. All right, guys, that's it. We'll see you next time on the junction. Well, that was a good one. I sure appreciate Ken for coming on. Go check him out. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook at the Ken Noble. Go check out Noble Leadership Solutions, www.nobleleadershipsolutions. See what he's all about. More information there. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on The Junction.